Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is up, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning into another preview episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, Barry, personal trainer, strength coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, rocking with Damian Mackey, 2000 Sooner National Champion, former wide receiver. How we doing this morning, D-Mac? I'm doing good, brother. How about yourself? Doing all right, man. Guys, Damian is he's in it for the for the win because he is up early today, Cali time <laughs> to bring you guys <laughs> to to get in here so we can get give you guys the juice. Um, but this week, man, Oklahoma's got TCU on the schedule um, heading down there. It's going to be an 11 a.m. Central time kickoff going to be on ABC. OU, as we know, coming off the loss. So OU's not one to typically lose two in a row. I know it happened back COVID year. Um, they've had a, a, some rough preseason or non-con schedules, but they, they really don't tend to, to drop two in a row historically. But today we're going to talk about what needs to happen to keep that from happening and the, the improvements that Oklahoma has to make. And um, also just national news real quick because it's relevant. Did you see the Tua Tagovailoa injury, Dmac? Let's just say I had a nightmare, man. I mean, uh, I think you, we all know, or both of us know, how my career ended. Um, mm. I watched the film, and I and I got hurt in practice. We're doing a punt drill. I think I've said it before, coaches. They had a punt blocked against Air Force. No, they had a punt blocked against North Carolina. My junior year. And I was second team because I was 190. And uh, punt gets blocked. They put me in. I'm going against a freaking DN. The guy is just running down the middle of me. I mean, he, but I, I do my technique. He doesn't block the punt. Um, and so, anyway, next week in practice, we are uh, going against the, 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 the two, the puppies. <clears throat> they take me back out because I'm a two. Coach is like, nah, Mackey's a punt returner, kick returner, slot receiver. Like, we don't want him on punt team as the number one. But uh, put one of my teammates in, they get blocked in practice, right? So I get my first concussion against Air Force on offense. I catch a ball on offense, and I hit, really hit my head on the ground. Guy tackles me. I hit my head on the ground. Uh, you know what's crazy is back in those days, I sat out for a quarter. <laughs> Barry, I sat yeah, out for a quarter, yeah. bro. Put me back in the game. I end the game, but I, I, I'm foggy. At the end of the game, Matt Anderson's like, Mac, you okay? I say, yeah, I kind of don't. You know, I'm kind of, you know, I was kind of not really knowing. I wasn't really aware. And I'm a pretty sharp guy. Like, I'm a guy who after the game, I can tell you these plays and this and that, right? So, but I was kind of like, Shh. like my whole head felt like, Shh. Ooh. like that's what it's like. Long story short, yeah. I uh, get another concussion in the sheesh, K-State game, minor concussion again. And then I get another concussion in practice, right? So I'm out, like I'm out, out. They don't let me play North Texas. They don't let me play... I guess K-State, I was kind of out, but it was a um, 
it was a special play. They were trying to do an onside kick and they didn't take me off onside return because I had good hands. Sure enough, hit the ground. So I get, you know, I, I get like I said, you know, my concussion protocol continues. Boom. I was like, I want to play Texas. Right. So I did everything I could to play Texas and I play the whole game. I play and I am, you know, by that time, I'm no longer a starter. I'm splitting reps with Jay Norm because he's been playing by himself for basically three games and he's essentially the starter, but they put me back in the rotation. I appreciated that because I hadn't practiced probably in a month. And after we win Texas, MC comes. So, so Trey is going to defense because they, they need help on the uh, uh the cornerback position. Mike T got hurt. And so Dre was solidifying that other corner spot opposite um, D-Straight. Mark Clayton comes in to take on the role that I would have just bumped out to X and then Jay Norman would have stayed at H, but I'm hurt too. So Mark Clayton is, 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 is a pup killer. He had a killer fall camp. So MC bumps to the X and then Jay Norman, and I bumped to the H and then I'm back in uh, uh, Clayton up at X. So I'm basically rotating between X and H, which is what I did my freshman year. No problem. I'm playing basically every possession, one of the, one of the two positions. Don't get any issues. And by the way, I get the ball. She just scored a touchdown the whole nine. We go to practice the next week and they, the, the puppies block another punt. I'm a two. God damn it. I forgot who it was. I don't even remember who it was. It may have been Mike T or it was a safety. I don't remember. Or a DB safety guy. I don't remember who it was. D-Mac, it's, it's the right wing. Back then, we did the old punt possession um, punt team, you know, formation where you've got the five guys tight, the two wings, two yards back off of them, the punt protector, and then the punter. Like we did the old stool that you saw yeah. since you were a kid till about 2010. That was our that was our formation. And coach said, Hey puppies, if you guys get a blitz, if you guys get a block, you don't have to run a day. So of course they're going hundred miles per hour. And if you know who it is, it's actually crazy. It's Jamar Z, my buddy, and me and Jamar are close, wow. but he's playing like the outside guy and they run a block to the right, which was my side. And and by the way, I I, I fit him up nice. He he tries to dip his shoulder. Boom. I hit him, run my feet, run my hands, two steps, one, one thousand, two hundred thousand. I push him away. And on film, there you see me hit him, drive him. Or he, and he's he's kind of driving me, right? But I'm just kind of keeping him away, doing my job, shelling him away from the, the, the block point. I throw him and then I run about 10 yards and then I just fall down. Boom. And I don't look exactly like Tua. I, I didn't do the whole hand thing. That thing was really, you know, that, that thing kind of, but like you saw me fall in a way where it just didn't look right. And and when I saw the Tua deal, cause I didn't see it live. I told you last night I was out doing some, um, some training with some kids. I didn't see it live. I just saw that he was injured. But when I saw the still picture and then I went and saw what, what actually happened on YouTube, I was, it just brought back me watching me on film and hitting Mozi, taking 10 steps and just like fall like crumbled and it's like imagine a brick falling from somebody's hand in a way it just crumbled boom, 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 boom. like my body oh. just was like yo this is right and then i wake up in the in the hospital so when i saw to his deal man it 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 Man, it just took me someplace, and I just pray for the young man. He was having a obviously having a great season. They've got a great team, but here's what it taught me: there's so much more to life than you know wasting it playing a sport. 
that still was just the way I had to look at it. Like, dude, I can't mm. be paralyzed again. Like I was paralyzed. You know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. took like it took me eight months to get all my motor skills and, you know, to just feel normal again. It took eight months. Right. A semester of school, I basically didn't go to class. So I look at Tua and, and obviously all the attention is getting on ESPN and all over the place. Of course, <laughs> after what happened last Sunday, Dolphins got a lot of questions to answer. NFL is probably going to be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if protocols get even more strict, but obviously most uh, foremost, man, I'm prayers up to Tua and and I just hope he recovers. And I think at this point he might even be thinking about his career just because it's not worth it in the grand scheme of things with children and legacy and, and quality of life. You know, he's got a long life to live. So I, I just I just wish the man the best and man, I hope he makes a full recovery. Brother, it was it was rough to watch. I had a bunch of people messaging me saying you gotta check this out. And it's really frustrating because that one is on the coaches and it is on the training staff. If it is severe enough where your body is is you're having a neurological response for a hit that really wasn't that egregious. Like his head made contact with the ground and he hit in such a way that it just catapulted him into this response. But it is freaking unacceptable that he was playing after what happened last week. There was no need for concussion protocol. If you get up after a hit like that and you are wobbling in that way, This is like basic OSSAA, like high school volunteer coaching testing stuff. This is, it's not even that complicated. Your job as a freaking coach, as a trainer, as a team doctor is to protect the player from themselves because they have more, more grit and more want to, to play in the game than you can imagine. That's why they're at the level they're at. So your job is to keep them from hurting themselves. And the Dolphins just failed him miserably. The Warriors failed KD by letting him play in the finals. Like, I just go back thinking about all these scenarios where the the injury was obviously uh, caused and the, the domino effect from the previous circumstance. So, man, the Dolphins got to wear this one. The, this is a massive L for that organization. And, I mean, shame on them because you you can't do that to a player. You can't because he's going to want to compete. If you give him the okay, I mean, yeah, I imagine you, you were the same way. If you're like, all right, yeah, you're good. You're good, D-Mac. Go out there. Go get him. Man. Well, so I'll say this, I'm super grateful that uh, Scott Anderson and crew didn't do that to me. Um, and uh, granted, you know, Barry, I literally had four concussions in, over the course of, uh, I don't know, maybe a month, maybe five weeks. I don't remember where our, our bye weeks and stuff like that. And by the way, that that area of my life is a little foggy, just to be very honest with you. Sure. But um, no, when when I got injured, injured. Yeah, that was a totally different conversation. Scott calls me in his office and and uh, Stoops is there, Spurrier's there, you know, the, the squad is there. And, you know, uh, it, it was it was it was emotional, man. You know, what I'm saying a couple mm-hmm. tears, um, not just mine, you know, um, my mom 
I don't remember she when she came up. I mean, it was just so foggy that that I, there's about eight months that I don't remember much except doing rehab, literally trying to get the left side of my body to respond like the right side of my body. Like when people see me today, they don't believe me because I've recovered. It was a bruise on my brainstem. And so as the swelling went down, my skills started to come up. Then it was sensitivity to sunlight. If I kept glass, <laughs> there, <laughs> there was about a three year period. And I can laugh about it now because it's funny, but like there's like a three year period, bro, where I have a hat and glasses on like all time. <laughs> because, <laughs> because oh my gosh. The sun, just, you know, Oklahoma sun in the summertime, we all know, right? I think it bake you. Man, I had, if I didn't have glasses on, I, I couldn't be outside. Like it, 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 it was crazy. I had to wear corrective glasses which I only wore for about two years. So imagine your eyesight's perfect. You have a concussion. You go through this, you know, go through this whole deal. And now all of a sudden you got to wear glasses or you can't see. I'm talking about like eyeglasses. I used to wear sunglasses for the sun, but I had to wear eyeglasses. There were literally times, bro, I'd have my glasses on so that I could see and I'd put sunglasses over them. I'd have two pair of glasses on. This is like 18 months to 24 months that it was sometimes necessary for me to do because of this damn concussion. So, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's it's a, it's a, it's a rough deal. And it's why I stopped playing some people. We're like, man, can you just disappear? Like, nah, I didn't disappear, man. I promise you, you know, I, I was going through a period in my life where there was a lot of uh, just uncertainty and I just really understood the carnal nature of being a human. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, damn, I got one of these bodies and, and you know, something goes wrong. So it took probably, I don't know, four conversations between myself, Scott um, and, and Spurrier. Spurrier was really, really adamant. Like, yo, D, you're a smart dude you know, football isn't the end for you. you. You might make more than a lot of these guys outside of the sport. Like, I just remember him being like, don't let money or don't let, he was like, dude, you, you know, don't put yourself in a compromising situation. And I appreciate that counsel because like you said, you know, there's a lot at stake, right? We're playing high stakes sports. We're coming back off a of natty. Um, and, and being a guy who my freshman year, I was kind of like a, uh, um, a, a one point a, you know, I was a one a guy with Gerald Jackson. My sophomore year, me and JJ Norm were really splitting the position. But uh, yeah, man, in my junior year, I had outright won the position. I was, you know, my sophomore year, I was returning kicks for JT, and I was a number two punt returner. So going into my junior year, I'm thinking NFL. I'm thinking breakout season. I'm a lot of the core reads and the offense where, you know, just think of like um, Brandon Daniels when he was that position in 99, he was a volume catcher and really strong uh, fall camp. I was excited. You know, I I, I kind of had some grown man strength. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, yeah. you're just different. My freshman year, I was playing with spunk. My sophomore year, we kind of were just thrown into the fire of a great season, and we had some good leadership. We had the Torrance Marshalls and the J-Hypes and, the, you know, some of those older guys. My junior year, it's like, Mackie, you're turn to be a leader. And it started to feel like high school football. The game had slowed down. I really understood coverages. I understand a lot of the whys, why we did some of the things we did, which is the third year in the offense. We love J Dub, <laughs> of course. Uh, of course, Nate wins, but man, we know J Dub is right there, and he can sling it. So, just you know, that was that was a tough pill to swallow. When I look at Tua, man, and I, I can imagine, you know, the kid was a winner everywhere. He got he won Natties and at uh, at Bama, and he's now got a team. 
His 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 head coach was my OC last year. I'm, I say my, but I'm a diehard Niner fan. McDaniel was our OC. And, yeah. and, and and so, you know, he comes over and you bring, you know, Tariq over there and you got some pieces. I'm sure he's going to be mulling over, you know, what his decisions should and could be. But by that same token, man, I'm just telling you, when, when you can't get out of bed, Barry, or or when you lift your hands up and your right hand goes up immediately and your left hand, your brain has to say, move your hand, move your hand, move your hand, move your hand, move your hand. If you don't say that 10 times, your hand doesn't go all the way up. Life's a little different. And I'll never forget that part. Like I couldn't move the left side of my body anywhere near the right side of my body. And I'm talking months, bro. So it 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 it's it's one of those things, man, where you, you're not just gonna haphazardly make a decision and you're right. You're trusting the medical professionals to look out for your best interest, especially in 2022. So mm. that'll be an interesting story to follow. Definitely uh, going to leave uh, two in my in my prayers and and just I you know the sympathy that I the empathy that I have for the situation he could potentially sure. be and they said he's they said he cleared the hospital and he left with the team I didn't I went to the hospital and laid in the critical care for two days like I was <laughs> very when I had mine I mm -hmm. they put me in critical care because they needed the machine there were some machines they needed to uh, neurolog neuro neurological stuff that they needed me to have access to or whatever so I, yeah. I I wasn't I wasn't in a position where I was gonna die they didn't think but I needed to be there my first night the person in the room next to me died Jesus like, yeah like it was it was like you could hear the family next door they're crying because it's just a curtain right it's kind of like you know you don't I didn't have a room. That was like a room with a door closed. Initially, we shared a room and on, on one side was a bed, on the other side was a bed. And in between us was a curtain. And I heard all these folk coming into this room and crying and the priest comes in and dude, person died, you know, like that was my night the day that I, I had my concussion and I woke up. So pretty scary times, man. pretty scary times. Well, hard, hard transition, man. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about this TCU game. Um, I we'll, we'll cover offense, defense uh, for the Horn Frogs. But I think you will probably agree this game is sort of Oklahoma versus themselves. Last week against Kansas State, some of the the wounds of yesteryear were exposed. Some bad habits, as as you put it, reared their ugly face. Saw some guys who were, you know, had had a history of maybe having issues with, you know, angles and tacklings, and talking defensively specifically, and they seem to rear their ugly heads. So this week, going down to Fort Worth, the focus has got to be at a, at a different level. They they obviously are probably going to make some schematic changes, and we'll we'll discuss that offensively. They're, they're looking to get off to a fast start. I don't know how else to put it. They've got to stop waiting until late in the first quarter, second quarter, and sometimes third before that offense gets going because TCU can score points. They, they have the 121st ranked strength of schedule in the country, according to college football reference, but they've still put up points. They've taken care of teams um, outside of SMU, which was a little bit closer game. I think they ended up winning by a touchdown. Uh, but Colorado, they've played Tarleton. I don't even I don't, I don't know where Tarleton is, actually. Um, but they've played Tarleton, smoked those guys. But Colorado, they, they took care of handily. Max Duggan is back for his 17th year. Uh, <laughs> sling, <laughs> slinging that rock. 
Um, he's actually had a great year at a 216 quarterback rating. He's completing over 75% um, right now, 77% completion percentage, man. He is absolutely slinging the rock. And Mr. Quentin Johnson is back on offense, right? The guy who's been tough to stop for years as well. Um, but OU probably not going to have Bowman lined up a corner this uh, this season. Uh, so DMAC, talking about what OU needs to do defensively in this game, uh, where do the Sooners stand and what kind of schematic changes might we expect? Yeah, you know, I, I watched the, and uh, believe it or not, the K-State game three times. And uh, some interesting things. Um, really started to reveal themselves to me as I really just started to, you know, I, I watched the game. I said, let me just watch the D line. And I think when we watched that game, the first, I don't know, two possessions, you can see our DNs coming off that edge with the expectation that they're going to like the scheme is going to make the play. Right. And then I think about the Nebraska game and I said, you know, we're all talking about how, how great of a mad scientist, uh, coach V is because the scheme made plays, the scheme made the, the Nebraska offense so shell shocked that I mean, guys were literally we'd rush three and a guy would get in free, and I, I couldn't even remember the last time I saw that, and I was just so impressed and excited to see it because I was like, man, how hard had it been for us to generate pressure in the past, or we had to have an ace, right? If we didn't have an ace, like there's kind of one guy we could hope, man, I hope he beats his guy, and they they don't double team him, otherwise pressure was very minute. Well, that didn't happen. And so in the Nebraska game, right, we're cooking. We're cooking fish grease. K-State, they're sound. They're sound. And what they did is they oversimplified their blocking protection. They said they essentially put their D-line in position, excuse me, their O-line in position to man block, right? They were essentially matchup, matchup blocking. And so that way there wasn't a lot of pre-snap thinking. You identify your guy. If he goes away, you radio to see if someone's coming the other way. If not, you sink and then you help. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a basic line fundamental, but the, the problem with it is, is if you get overly, um, you know, if you get exotic on defense, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to beat when you overload, but K-State to their advantage, it's really a crap you Oh, you couldn't just overload, uh, like they did in Nebraska because they run QB run game. And if they're running QB lead, the direction opposite the side you overload. I mean, it's literally the running back blocking the safety and the, and the quarterbacks hitting his head against the goalpost. So for that offense design, it's actually a really good design to not to thwart teams from wanting to get exotic, overly exotic with blitzes. So I'm looking at, I said, the chess match, the chess match is the first possession, Barry, because I'm starting to understand, like, got it. The DNs were the guys who were told, you just got to whip your, your tackle whoop his ass, and, and it's going to make everything else free up because they're going to oversimplify the offensive blocking scheme. We both know that didn't happen. We both know Downs gets a, a play in the backfield the first play and then nothing else. Mm. So what does that tell me? It tells me a couple things. Number one, obviously, we were an over 80% 40, 40 front against um, K-State. I don't even want to say their name because I'm still pissed. By the way, one of the guys I coach with is a K-State grad, and I've been talking shit all summer or all fall because, you know, oh, people. No. And, and he's such a nice guy. He's so nice. He's a lineman. He's on the team with Bishop in 96. So he's a couple years older than me. I didn't play against him. But I saw him last night, of course, and he was just so gracious. Oh, Mackie. Then I said, shut up, man. I was at the game. You were at the game? Yeah, man, I was at the game. So 
I was a poor sport. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally a poor sport, bro. Totally. But um, we've got a couple of things. We've got to go back to the 30 front. And I think TCU's offense is one that's going to lend us to, to make the 30 front our primary. I said it going into K-State. We just look better. And it, I know it looked good on TV going against Nebraska, but that's not what I was talking about or aiming for, Barry. I was talking about looking at DU look like a middle backer because he had one job to do. And eight out of 10 times, it was going forward. It was killing a gap, right? It was, it was you know, crossing face with a D tackle and running into the B gap or even going into the C gap or he had pre-stop alignment. He was in a space where he said, dude, you've got the slant or you've got the hole. It was one solidified thing to do and then react and play football. And we both saw the Sooner Nation both saw against K-State. He had a lot of different options. And most often he had to do this and then do that and then chase. And then he's an angle or two behind or he picks a bad angle and boom. Right. I feel like the 30 front is a progressive front for him to be beneficial. Um, same thing goes for the DNs. It's going to be interesting to see K-State's tackles are, are studs, but they're not all Americans. I don't even know if they're all conference guys. They're not. I think the kid at, at Texas Tech is going to give them problems. I think, you know, their own DN is a guy that would that would that would that would give them, you know, some trouble. Oklahoma should have better players in K-State at DN versus tackle. We did not. Not the case. That 30 front puts our ends in position where sometimes they're lining up over guards. That 30 front puts our DNs in positions where sometimes they're both on the same side of the center guard tackle relationship on one side of the line, respectively. They're both on the left side of the line and they're both on the right side of the line. It gives them the opportunity to confuse individuals because they're not, we, we just don't have a guy this year. It's not Grimes even. Grimes is not, has not shown yet against par competition that he's just going to go whoop. Yeah, a left tackle or a right tackle. He hasn't done it yet. That doesn't mean he can't. Can't, excuse me. Downs hasn't done it yet. It doesn't mean he can't. I told you this on fall camp. Uh, I've been told since fall camp, the best pass rusher on the team is the puppy. And you know, it's funny, right? The first two weeks of the season, people are telling me like, ah, oh, the puppy doesn't look good. I'm just telling you, I have been told Mason is the best pass rusher. He has the best bend. He has the best, he uses his, his hands the best and he's hurt. So hoping that's going to save the day. It probably doesn't happen. Obviously he's light in the butt as well. He needs to gain probably 20, 30 pounds to be a yeah. really, uh, you know, a big deal. But I think the 30, and I think the coaches have feeling that shows, Hey, this is what our D looks like primarily as a 30 front. This is what our D looks primarily as a 40 front. I don't have Intel that tells me 100% unequivocally that that's going to be the primary front, but film don't lie. So, so, so looking at that piece and looking at TCU, like you said, bro, Duggan's throwing the ball well, spinning it. I think they've got 10 rushing TDs. They got eight passing TDs. I don't think he's got a pick yet this season. They've got two lost fumbles. Like they, their offense is pretty proficient and they're not going to just give it away. They're not going to just fumble away the game, especially at home. They're not just going to throw three or four or five picks unless we are are getting the quarterback off the spot and pressuring the ball. So, you know, Coach V, if I'm putting on my Coach V hat and I say, okay, where are some things we can hang our hat on? 
I think I still think it's pretty safe to say we're a better tackling team than we've been in a decade. The K-State team now uh, Deuce shook a couple people in a hole, something silly, which was which was embarrassing. And I'm sure those guys were embarrassed because they're on his highlight tapes forever, forever. They're going to be on his highlight tape. But we didn't have a bunch of guys, you know, just flailing and missing tackles all over the place. Coach V don't play that. So I could, I think he knows if we keep stuff in front of us, generally we'll come up and make a tackle unless it's third and 16 in a critical moment in the game. And you've got a spy who should just step up into the, into the a gap and meet the quarterback at about six yards. And then we get the ball back with a chance to win, unless it's that particular play and we have mental busts and all kind of stuff going on all over the field. Generally we tackle well. Um, and so what that means is we got to confuse them. And like you said, they their strength of schedule is somewhere in the hundreds. Uh, they haven't played anybody with talent like ours. So this will be there for this will be a step up for them. I think we treat this game a lot like we treat Nebraska. But you're right. That 100 percent zealous energy of, oh, my God, this is a totally new thing. This is going to be, you know, this is going to be the 2000 Sooners again. That's out the window. You guys had your chance against K-State. Coach V now has a seed dropped in his head. We got to be honest, B, and talk about the psychological part of the game. Coach V knows, crap, the potential of these guys reverting back to old habits, it's here. And all of us saw it and all of us have experienced it. And now we all know, you know, the potential is there to happen again. So if that's the case, watch this. Let me ask you a very simple question, B. In what game did the defense look the most dominant irrespective of competition nebraska and what front did the defense look the most comfortable irrespective of competition 30 front right so point is right casual joe can see that in that front those guys you know they a lot of people stepped up and made plays and again i brought it up last week and i just for the life of me this is the one thing that I and I didn't bring this up in our review and I, and or enough, but this is what I watched the game again. I said, you know, this doesn't make sense to me because when we went to that 30 front against Nebraska, it provided athletic depth. What I mean is one big goes off the field, which we saw the stats of what the bigs were able to do against K-State. Pretty much nothing. They didn't they didn't get a lot of cooking. Right. I think four total tackles between all the D linemen. Well, if that's the case, what does it look like if you take a big out and you put Kanik in or you put Harrington in, right? Like, what does that look like, especially in face for, of facing and def- an offense where they, they want to out-athlete you, af- athletic you on the edges? My goodness, talking at 6 a.m., this is what happens. <laughs> so, you know, that part just kind of was inter- interesting to me. I get it. They needed the beef because they started running up the A-gap and B-gap a bunch. But dang, against Nebraska, we overloaded one side of the old line and we put the two backers on the other side and it was essentially a 50 front. But you still had four athletes behind you and two corners. Like, dude, those numbers are in our favor. We've got man on every lineman and we've still got four athletes plus corners and the corners were being edge defenders a lot against Nebraska. So the chess matches is, is, you know, K-State won. They won the chess match. It was it was it was a great game by them, a great scheme by them. They they played the game correct. They took the air out of the ball, and made long drives, and put us in positions of a lot of adversity. Playing from behind mm. leads to your second point. Offensively, offensively. If anybody in that Sooner program listens to this and gives a damn, which they probably don't, 
cannot afford to go three, four possessions with three and outs and or no points, no pressure. That is not a recipe for success with the defense when the program we have in 2022. Team 128. Are they 122 or 128? What's the, they're 128, 28, right? 128. Team 128. That's right. Team 128, we are not a team that we feel comfortable playing from behind, which means the offense has to go make a play, but it also means we need to be more turnover-minded Damn, can we get some turnovers? In fact, can we get a turnover that we can go return? Can we get a fumble, a scoop and score? Can we get a pick six? Can we get one where a guy takes it 40 yards and he gets tackled on the five? Like we need to start creating some of our own success defensively. But I obviously we'll talk about the offense here in a minute. Offense, we can't get off to a slow start. The defense needs you guys to put them in a position where they can wreak havoc. Yeah. And Secondary is going to have to to shore up a few things, you know. That the, oh snap, man! They um, you know, Coach Venables talked about it going into the year, just about especially with his defense, but really all defense. How much coverage and the defensive line are so interwoven in, in terms of how you end up performing defensively. Putting athletes on the field against a team like TCU is going to be to your benefit. I think having the the film that they now have where they can look at, you know, this this guy over here and this guy over here and say, hey, we, you know, we see what you're doing in practice, but this guy's also coming for your spot. If this keeps happening, you won't be seeing as many reps, you know, and eventually that that gap closes and and guy gets passed up. You're you're hopeful, and I know Sooner fans are hopeful that certain guys in the secondary could see see more snaps here this week. Um, I believe twelve. You know, he, his hamstring is now about three weeks, three and a half weeks down the line. So it's possible that that thing is is recovered. We talked about it. He didn't play his best game last week, but still recovering. So I give him a little benefit of the doubt. It takes a while to get over that, but they've they've got to shore up a few things man um and and TCU gave them problems last year you know last year yeah. was the game in which Billy Bowman played cornerback um still don't know what that was all about but it is what it is and of course they had they had receivers that just had a fantastic game uh but but Duggan can sling it man um offensively OU as you said can't get off to the slow start but I also think this has to be the game where the the pieces, not your main guys, but your not your Mims, not even your Eric Gray, but the other pieces need to start being more consistent. They they need to go out there. We've seen stuff from Drake Stoops, but we've also seen a, a drop right on on a fourth down. You know, pass was a little tough, but as you said, you know, from your experience, you got to catch that one. And he'd probably say the same thing. The ancillary pieces, as we call them, they've got to step up if this offense is going to be capable of what they want to be capable for. What where is where's the Lee Morris, right? Where is your, you know, thinking about guys? What well, where are those catches and those runs going to come from? When, when you just need a drive starter, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, 22 out there at tight end, but also nine, those secondary pieces, those additional pieces, I think they're going to have to play a massive role in this offense coming together as it wants. The offensive line started getting into a bit of a rhythm uh, in the second half. 
I think there there's a bit of um I think they're starting to gel just a little bit. I think uh coach Biedenbow has found or at least settled in on his five and how he wants to do that rotation now being four games four games in. I'm curious to see if any more changes take place, whether at the guard position, but I, I think they're they're going to be able to have success against TCU. Would love to see those secondary pieces step up, though. What do you think they need to do to actually kickstart the 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 offense? Like we we say, start fast, you know, get things going. We can't wait. But what does that mean when it comes to play in the game? What is the actual tactical response that they have to have in order to do that? Is it more focus? Is it is it different plays? Is it different scheme? What has to happen to make that go? I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but I just like to be honest. I just, you know, again, Sooner fan, you guys know, man, I love my Sooners. Um, that, you know, there isn't one. I'm, I'm more than a fan. Obviously, I'm an alumni. You take on the face of your leadership. And, you know, you, it's very interesting the language you used because your language confirms how I feel. I don't know if you even noticed this, but you didn't say Dylan Gabriel's name one time. You didn't say you didn't say the primary weapons, Mims, Gabriel and Gray. You didn't say the secondary weapons, you know, nine, twenty two and Gabriel. He kind of was not even in the equation. And, and I don't know if you were intended to do that, if that was an accident, but that's kind of where he is positionally in the offense right now. He's definitely not a detriment, right? He's not something holding the offense back per se. He's not. Numbers look good. He had he had solid numbers last Saturday, right? He's made some plays with his arms. He's made some plays with his feet. But as of now, as of yet, here's the thing that really hasn't been discussed enough, and I don't think we did. He didn't make the plays when the plays were there to be made, right? We kind of put it on Drake. Like, Drake, you should have caught the ball. Yeah, well, Dylan, you could have gave him an easier ball, and he probably gets 12 yards. Because he out-leveraged the defender. And if you put it on his upfield shoulder and he can just turn up the sidelines, he may take it up the sidelines for 20, 30 yards. Go watch the play. He's got some space there, right? Obviously, you miss Drake earlier in the game. Obviously, you mix, you miss Mims on a play where we're going in to tie the game, or we may even just be down four. And if we can, I don't remember if we're down four at that point or if we're down seven at that point, but he misses a wide open Mims. He misses him. Right. There's a play going down where there's five minutes left in the game. We're down 14 points. He gets close to the to the goal line. Go watch the play. He could have took a step in. Uh, I think it's Mims blocking for him on the two yard line. He takes that that scramble. And it's, by the way, phenomenal play. That's what I mean. Like, it's not like the dude is a scrub and he's messing up. But Dan Dylan, if you stick your foot in the ground and go to the right instead of trying to go to the left and you kind of you know, bow over Mims. And I think, I think the clock stops for that play maybe, or maybe it doesn't, I don't remember, but if you step in, we score and a minute in like six seconds that are saved. Like there's just an aspect of a Josh Heupel that I'm in the huddle with him and he's, excuse my French, he's freaking cutthroat. Mackie, we got to lay these mother blue, bloom, bloom, blooms down. Yes, Josh don't cuss unless we're in the huddle. Just FYI, Josh was like a saint. You know what I'm saying? He was Saint Joshua. Unless we're playing between those white lines, then he's not. 
Josh is like, they trying to F and kill us. We got to F and kill them. And we like, hell yeah. And we come out the huddle with some edge. That's how you beat a Nebraska that we played against. By the way, that's how you beat K-State's the toughest team I ever played against. I get it. I played against the K-State team. Now, the K-State team I played against was a better one, a better version than the one they played against Saturday. But I know the mentality. But I know those guys are on the sidelines like, we about to beat their ass. Like, that's just the K-State mentality. Don't yet see that from our offensive leader. And it's interesting that you didn't bring his name up. And it's not that he's a terrible thrower or a terrible runner or even a terrible leader. But let me ask you this. If we switch Dylan Gabriel and Baker Mayfield, and Baker's a number one draft pick. He's been in the league now. But let's just say 2016 Baker or the first year Baker. I have the sneaking suspicion Baker makes the plays that need to be made in the moments that they needed to be made to make sure OU takes the lead, and now it's a different ballgame. That's just my opinion. I could be 100% wrong. Clearly, there's no way to fact-check it. But I, I, I think know they the had makeup. a worse team in 2015 and against Tennessee. Uh, I was going to bring up the Tennessee game, and how about go. the fact that he laid an egg? He laid an egg for three quarters. Baker lays an egg for three quarters. But the game is in, you know, the game is at hand, and we have a chance it also helps have a Sterling Shepard. But yeah. right all of a sudden, Bake wakes up. Uh, uh, we're looking at Kyler. He wakes up, and they're like, Mackie, these are Heisman Trophy first round. Well, they're also guys who, before they were Heisman Trophy winners, they had Heisman Trophy moments that gave them the confidence that they could go on and be the guy that they ended up being. Like, you got to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray started out as a retread from – AM, who people were laughing at when we took him versus the kid that went ended up going to um where the other kid go to. Both the quarterbacks left AM and one went to us and the other kid, I forgot where he went to. The, the Sooner fans know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Like they were like, you should have took the other kid. Right. Alan, I can't remember where he went. Yeah. Point is, Kyler just didn't roll into Norman and, and kill it. Even during the Baker years, they're kind of like, is he gonna be like a runner? People were like, is he gonna be a slot receiver? Like they should move, they should move Kyler to the slot. He's fast. Nah, Kyler earned his stripes. And DG is in a position right now to earn his stripes. He had a great opportunity to lead. He would have been the catalyst, right? The write-ups, the blogs, the 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 YouTube videos, our podcast would have had to say, Dylan put OU on his back. And made sure they didn't lose. I only know that because they said it about Baker when he did it. I only know that because they said it about Kyler. They said it about J-Dub. They said it about Sam. There were games where Sam just was that Oklahoma State game where he did the helicopter into the end zone. Same type of play. Sam Mm -hmm. got in the end zone. Right? J-Hype did it all the time. Hype's like, dude, I got a freaking softball on my elbow. I'm going to get the ball to you, Mackie. Beat the guy. Like I'm in the huddle. I'm telling you. And it's like, yo, Sab, we're going to throw you the corner. Beat him. I'm throwing you the ball. And we're looking like, bro, you can't throw 20 yards. I'm going to get it there. So we're like, screw it. He's going to get it there. I better get open. Like, I I lived that part. And, you know, I just saw too many possessions where D is like, dang, we missed the throw and he just trots off. That doesn't work for me. Like, I'm sorry. That's not championship DNA. That's not OU. That's not the DNA we had or that I've seen. Even when the defense was freaking anemic, right? A freaking, you know, shell of itself. Offensively, we have some dudes. And mm. it starts with the trigger man. 
so I, I like, and I, I know we didn't plan this because we didn't even do an outline for this, but seeing when you articulated your thoughts about offense, you didn't even bring him up. It's kind of like, because it's kind of an enigma. Like what is he? Is he the leader of the offense? Or how about this? Who's the leader of the offense? Matter of fact, let me ask you the question just because it came to mind. Barry, who is the leader of the offense right now? I would probably, this is coming from just what coaches have said and then the team on the field, you would almost think it's Braden Willis. Oh, God. Look at my guy. You always throwing your boy shot. By the way, shout out to Braden Willis. He's I'm a saying, man. I I'm think saying. he's leading the team in tugs by one. I think he's leading the team, which, Barry, you're not. You're going to be buying me a steak by the end of the year. If Braden will, by the way, no shout to him, but if he's your alpha dog, you're in trouble. And I'm not saying yeah. that because, but your tight end can be a alpha dog. Hambone was one for us. Trent Smith was one for us. But like the alpha was clearly Josh Hype. The end, right? If your mm. tight end is your dude, again, one of the things that was attractive about Dylan Gabriel was the fact he had been in the offense, number one, and he had played with Levy, number two. We, we've got to be able to extrapolate some intangible from that. There's got to be a presence of, you know what I'm saying, his leadership. Dang, that's an indictment. That's an indictment, Barry. When you say, I think the alpha, the leader is Braden Willis. Listen, if that were my team, and you said that I would be insulted because I was the trigger man. I would be insulted. And I wonder if Dylan would be insulted. <sighs> Don't want to get in trouble, but I got to tell the truth. I mean, I'm just wondering, right? Like I'm honestly wondering, like, is he just okay with being a guy versus dude, you came to OU and you, I don't know if you knew this, bro, but like the quarterback at OU has to be the guy, unless you got Adrian Peterson. You got Adrian Peterson, and we can just run, pull that guard and run through the B cap. You know what I'm saying? Twenty four power, twenty six counter. We're good. You're good. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can you can have a Paul Thompson and and still have a successful season. Shout out to Paul. Paul's a good guy. But uh, yeah, I think I think the I mean you know you know X's and O's. We can talk about some of that stuff. They've got some unproven guys on defense. I look forward to our receivers. Um, I, I look forward to Levy scheming up some ways for our receivers to get up the seam. I think they're going to be beatable up the seam. They, they're, they're, I'm looking at their secondary, and uh, guys are either fast but slight, or they've got a bigger guy, but he doesn't look like he can get out of his hips. So I think just schematically, there's going to be opportunities for us to line, you know, get him matched up on a Mims, and Mims is running away from him, or, or you know, get a Farouk or a Willis. Right, lined up on. I forgot the little. They got a corner who's a pretty feisty dude, but he's like five nine, one eighty. Like we've got to line up. You know, we've got to get one of our bigs. We got to get Anderson and or Gibson lined up against him. An opportunity to make a play, but there's opportunities on offense. Those guys that we're not going to be playing the best defense. We're not going to be playing a K State caliber defense either. K State's corner, bro. Did you see twenty three? Oh my gosh, man. He's a problem. But bro, six three, easily six three, and was built like he was five eleven. Like, yo, who is Buddy? By the way, they were actually giving him some business. He was he was playing real dirty the entire game. He was playing chippy the entire game. 23 was. Go back and watch yeah. the film. 23 is a chippy little dude. He's not a little dude. 
you know, but he's playing chippy. And I, I had a lot of respect for our receivers. They they went out and played ball against him and, and made some plays against him and, and made him look bad a couple of times. But he also was a huge impact on the game, too. TCU doesn't have a 23. So there's a, there should be a couple opportunities for us to tack them on the edges. But I really think it's going to be Mims and or Drake in the seams. It could be Braden, too, in the seams. I think making their backers carry us and the safeties having to stay on top of that with Mims and Farouk on the outside. We've got some we've got we're going to get a cooking uh, going up on the seams or, or isolating at the receiver position. O-line. I watched the game three times, Barry, and. Our uh, rain was getting manhandled a little bit by the, the D tackle for K-State. He, he ragdolled him a couple times. But as a unit, they didn't play terrible against a pretty solid front. K-State has solid tackles, and they got a stud DN, and they got one sack, and we rushed for 200 yards, and, and we got a hat on a hat again. We got a hat on a hat. They, a couple times in the first, uh, first, first half, too, but it was like six plays. Like six times we got a hat on a hat where the safety has to come and make a tackle. Listen, maybe a Bama or Wisconsin when they've got one of those old lines, and or you know, I wouldn't even say Iowa anymore. They haven't had a dominant old line. They've got good players, but like a dominant, you know, um unit. There's like three or four teams in America. BYU's one, but to a lesser degree. To get six hats on a hat, six times where every lineman gets their guy and it's a flush block and the running back can just navigate the hole and it's just the DBs against the, the running backs, That's that says something. People talking all this stuff about beating ball, I'm just telling you, you got to respect that part. When that kind of stuff happens, the difference between a blowout or a close game or a loss is can your trigger man get the ball to the right guy and can the skill guy make a guy miss? When I look at that K-State game, the old line play winning football, the end. We got one sack and it was and it was a covered sack. The running back has gaping holes to run through more than enough. Right. I think Gray went for a hundred yards again. So um, you know, the whole offensive line and the weak links, like we got some of the links that's chinks in the armor. You know what I'm saying? We, we people keep talking about 72. I, I gotta tell you, 72 has not been getting his ass whipped lately. A lot of people, oh, like no, 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 stall that, stall that. That's not that's not one hundred percent the truth. Last week it wasn't the truth. It def- definitely wasn't the truth yeah. against Nebraska. The last two weeks, seventy two is playing winning football. Obviously, Rame is. I don't. I don't think he's light. I don't know. He plays high or he's overextending. I haven't really paid close attention, but he he's gotten ragdog a bit. But it ain't like he's just getting housed out the club, right? He you know. Mm. He, th- we're not, we're not having fumble exchanges and things of that nature because of it. So I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, you know, it's a cancer that's going to kill us. Yeah, he's got to get stronger and fix his technique and, and you know, what I'm saying get some base to him. It's totally is our quarterback going to make the. Remember, I told you the first couple pods. There's five plays that make a difference. Yep, it's five plays, man. If DG makes the throw, if Drake catches the ball, if DG makes the throw to Mims. Right. If 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 I'm not going to say if the spy steps up in the pocket on third and 16, those four plays alone were prop. That's probably the difference between it's 17 points. Drake's to the touchdown. Um, If the spy steps up, they don't score a touchdown because remember, they score a touchdown, they, which they yeah. shouldn't have. They should have just nailed on the ball. 
Yeah, but they should have knelt on it and 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 you know run the clock. But whatever, they score a touchdown. And if Mims catches the ball that that DG overthrows him, that's a minimum a field goal. That's like on the twenty five yard line, right? So Drake's TD add seven. If the spy steps up, it subtracts seven. And then if we play winning football and throw that ball to Mims, that that he's wide open and, he, and it looks like he jumps ten and a half feet. You see how high he got on that? He jumped hella high, and the ball's still two feet over his head. Still, that's bad. Yeah. That's bad. That's at least three points. Not to mention Drake's. You know, if if DG puts it on his upfield shoulder versus him having to die for it, who knows what that 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 concludes? Three of those four plays are just the quarterback missing. So, so there it is. I mean, by the way, I'm not again. It's not hating. Good stats. He he made some plays. He made some throws. But like those are the ones. Think about it like this: What if on third and sixteen, um, Martinez trips after eight yards, but on another right play in the second quarter, he makes that run. You know that he made on third and sixteen. How much of an impact would it have had on the game? Martinez made the play when they needed it. DG just made the plays in the in the course of the game. The the the, the pressure cooker times where the play needed to be made. Unfortunately, we didn't make the play enough, and it's it's clear as day on film. Clear as yeah. day on film. And that was that was the difference between winning and losing that game because you 100%. felt in the third quarter that it was an OU's dominated the third. Um, you felt that there was a chance to to seize momentum and really take the game back, and they just never were able to do it. It felt like some of the touchdowns that they had, although that they they needed them, it felt like like garbage three pointers at the end of a end of a blowout. Like it never felt like those points had the value that. They have when you legitimately feel this team is going to come back. You know, we referenced the Tennessee game in 2015. It got to a point where you said, OU's just going to win this game. They they have chosen to, to play at a ferocity, uh, to bring it to an intensity that they did not have in the first half. Um, Mayfield chose to be a leader. He said, you know what? If nobody's going to step up. This is what I came here to OU to do. This is the kind of guy I am. And that's when you really, that game was, was Baker Mayfield's not quite as coming out party from a performance standpoint, because it was actually one of his worst games. He just finished strong uh, and the yeah. defense as well made plays. And that's something else too. That defense, although it wasn't great when the play needed to be made, it when it, you know, overtime. Sanchez goes out there and picks off a pass, seals the win, right? When the play was there to be made, they made it. And that's the difference between winning and losing. And the, the way I look at it, a lot of people picked OU 11 and one, 10 and two, some had nine and three. We'll see. This was a winnable game against probably, I would say the toughest matchup on the schedule Right. I, I would say it's a team that's traditionally given them fits. And maybe those guys had that in their head. And so they, they, there was some hesitancy in how they played. Maybe there was uh, some timidness in how they played. And, and the effort and attention to detail just wasn't as fine as it, it should have been. 
So, so now you have a chance against a team where safeties have had trouble rotating against, you know, uh, against this OU's offense, you know, traditionally they've been able to get Mims on, on some corner routes and then get them up the seam. As you talked about, they TCU is going to give number eight, some shots though. The deep shots are going to be there, but I think more importantly for him, he's actually thrown the deep ball pretty well. His issues have been that 10 to 20 yard range. And some of those like quick, quick routes where you're just trying to move the sticks. Those to me have felt like the plays that are there to be made. And that those are, you know, from quarterback standpoint, those are more of your routine plays. Got to make those, you know, it's third and six receivers got to go seven. Just make the throw. Let's move the, move the chains. His, his deep ball has been fantastic. A lot of times he's been throwing to wide open guys. He's put that thing where it needs to be. He doesn't really miss those. It's been the intermediate stuff kind of in the middle of the field too. Yeah. So you, you hope to see that maybe there's something that, you know, coach Biedenboe alters with um his, his O-line. Maybe it's a issue with like throwing windows, throwing lanes, who knows, but it's something that, I honestly have uh, pretty hopeful that this can be changed because when he when when Gabriel flashes and this is the other thing too when when he flashes he flashes well he's got some pretty good zip on the ball his release is pretty quick um, I'm curious to see if they implement a little more QB run game early in this game I think it might be a look that could give TCU who is typically plays a pretty aggressive style defense, if I remember right. I'm curious to see if they implement a little bit of that QB run game as kind of a, not cheap, but a little bit of a cheap way to get the offense going, pick up six yards, pick up five yards, um, get, get a run for 20 and get out of bounds. I'm curious. Can I say something they, about that? Yeah, go for it. Can I say something about that? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. By the way, I don't, I'm not afraid of much, but we have zero depth behind him. So I'm a Niner fan and Trey Lance was our quarterback and we sat him for a year and he's an athlete and we was cute and we run freaking power. Holy freaking moly. We're running QB power in the NFL in the first quarter up seven. What the hell are we doing? And this is obviously I'm on my soapbox, but obviously he, he uh, breaks his ankle and he's out the season. You know, if this is Baker Mayfield again, it, to me it just felt like Bake was like, you know, they're on a they're on a pirate ship and he's the captain and he's like, you know, you know, he's arg and and like he's gonna do what he's got to do to get his guys to. Go. <laughs> I know that was kind of lame, right? <laughs> but still, arg. like, I I could totally see Bake like being a pirate. You feel me? Like I could see him running a ship. Like, yo, let's go kick that da, 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 right pirate. I could see it. I could see Kyler Murray. He's a jitterbug. Like. Tyler never took a serious hit. Dylan Gabriel seems to me, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm Again, I hope I'm not trying to, I don't want to sound bad. I'm just telling my truth. He seems to me like a guy who runs a power and kind of tries to curl up and he gets form tackled in the hole and he's out two weeks. And I'm just telling you, mm. the, the, the backups we have, um, they're just not ready yet, man. They're, they're coming into new schemes. They, I mean, it, it still drives me crazy that we haven't seen uh, the kid from Pitt throw a pass. There's plenty of opportunities for him to throw a pass. I think Nebraska, he plays like almost a half and doesn't throw a pass. So um, I'm not saying don't run the ball. 
Barry, but I do not want to see us running it like K State runs it, where yeah, he's running up the B gap. I'm I'm good with some boots. I'm good with some zone reads where he's got to read a backside DN, and if the DN crashes, he can go and you know he's done that a couple times. I I think we call those plays a couple more, but I don't think we need to be running. You know, we're an offset gun and the running backs over the guard and the quarterback takes the ball and, and takes a pitter pad and the running backs leading through the B gap on the on the on the Mike backer. I don't think we need to have him cutting off that and the safety is is robbing and and you know he's run blitzing right into the quarterback's ear hole. I don't I don't I I am a concern as much as I say he needs to grow, I think he does. What the offense definitely does not need is what happened to you or is to happen to him. You know what I'm saying? Like if we have our starter go down, we don't we don't have a card. You know, here I am using Texas as an analogy. What the hell am I doing? Oh my god! I'm sorry, guys. What are you doing, man? (laughs) I apologize. My my point is that's crazy. What the hell was I thinking? My point is though, we don't have the quality depth for the goals we want to have behind the kid. I just think he needs to trigger the. I think he needs to be a better trigger man. I think he needs to take advantage of the seams that are available to him quicker when there are plays where there's seven yards available to him and he kind of just sinks, 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 or stands in a hole, stands in a hole, stands in a hole or in the pocket, excuse me. And he won't even throw it away. He, he'll take the hit. Yeah. I don't hate the idea B. I don't hate the idea. I'm just throwing caution that if we get, um, if, you know, cause what'll happen is this, right? People run QB run because there's an additional blocker. It's truly 11 on 11. I get it. But if we get seduced by that and, you know, TCU has traditionally been a team, obviously their head coach is over in uh, Austin now, but they're traditionally a team. They're going to come up and form tackle you. They're going to, they're going to hit you in the mouth and he, he get one too many hits in the mouth against a TCU or against a Baylor or against a, a Iowa state. Those guys, they, 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 you know, they put on pads too. So I don't disagree I love the idea in a vacuum. I love the idea. I'm just saying, you know, obviously there's been, I don't know, five, six weeks since fall camp and guys have gotten better, but dang, they won't even let Bevel throw the ball once, bro. Not one time, my man. Like he's probably gotten a full game's worth of snaps between game one, game two, and game four. He has. I think yeah. He's, yeah, he's he's had to have played 60 minutes of football and he's, you know, he's not on the stat sheet yet. So yeah. I, I I don't want to say no. I think it's a great idea, and I think it'll open up the offense. And and I think with the way you said it, I think that's very strategic. In the first quarter, add a couple of those wrinkles, right, where we have the additional blocker, put in a majors, or or even just have Braden as the, you know, a sniffer, right, off the line tight end, and, and, and run some stuff with Gabriel with the, with the wide open box. I think that's a good idea. I just want to make sure, you know, before Arnold comes in, uh, we we give Evers another year to get to get better. We give Booty and, and Bevel another year to get more you know comfortable in the offense. It literally is the DG show this year. If we've got to go to a backup, I'm just telling you, we don't have a guy who today can go win against an Iowa State or a Baylor. Those games become three times more difficult if Dylan's not there. And so there's an opportunity for him to ascend. But man, without him, the 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 offense. It definitely uh, is a detriment. Which I mean, and that tells you that he's he's a valuable, huge piece to this team. You know, as as much as 
you know, you were, we're kind of bringing up the details of his performance, you know, that they, the reason they stand out is because they, they are not the norm of the game. It, it is, well, we're not talking about a guy who can't complete a pass. You know, we're not talking about, you know, n- no, not to disparage, but this isn't a, a Trevor Knight or even a Blake Bell situation, right? That this isn't a guy who's struggling to get the ball down the field. This is a guy who has the potential to be a, a great player in this offense if those handful of extra plays are are made. And I think it really comes down to that. Um, DMAC, before we uh, get out of here today, man, we, we have to give our picks for the game. I, I think you said last pod, you're not picking a blowout anymore until they until they showcase it so what do you think happens in this game where do you think this thing goes offensively most important player is dylan gabriel uh dylan this is this is a call out man you're a sooner you're the trigger man we believe in you you need to make the plays when it matters most period all right when and and what you're talking about barry he struggles driving the ball over backers and into our guys' hands. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a special throw. By the way, hype was amazing with it. The best to ever do it was Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford was the absolute best at that. That drive the ball. It's about twelve yards off the ground, and it it lands at about eight to nine where your receiver can catch it. Dylan, we're looking at you. You've got to make the plays. O line. I, I trust you guys will solidify things. It's beautiful to have seniors at the at the tight end position who are cock strong guys who can help solidify the edges um i'm looking for the receivers on the outside to make a play on a short pass and take it to the house we we need to and they've done a solid job thus far but i'm looking for those guys to go make something happen instead of the scheme doing it for you defensively dns it's squarely on those guys uh we talk a lot about you know some of the some of the guys who are deemed weaknesses on the defense or your guys who teams like to pick on not going to get on those guys so much today we you know but the dns they they have been a strength of the team grimes has gotten some national acclaim you know the pundits and talking heads i've been talking about him i i cannot imagine how those guys feeling feel knowing they only got one stat last week i'm looking for them to come out with a vengeance and make plays against TCU. I hope personnel. Uh, we I didn't really get to speak on this much, but in a personnel standpoint, I don't. I, I understand why certain guys play. There's just an aspect of you can't reteach an entire scheme to guys who didn't show they knew it when they had a chance to. So I get that part. Which, by the way, Sooner Nation, that's what's happening. You can't spend you know, this week of practice trying to reteach three dudes who had all summer and fall camp to learn their gig and they didn't learn it. So there's not going to be wholesale changes per se. It's not an injury deal where now guys just have to do it and you simplify things. BV wants to run all the stuff and he knows that, that there's a certain group of guys who can't. But by God, we've got to get some personnel uh, um, subbing it. We've got to get more athletes on the field. We absolutely need to primarily start in the 30 front. A little birdie told me that's going to be the case. So that that's exciting for me to see and hear. Um, but defensively, I'm looking for the secondary to make turnovers. And I'm looking for somebody to make a turnover and turn it into a big play the other way. Preferably a touchdown. 
I don't care if it's Grimes on a, uh, a, a sack, force fumble, and scoop and score. I don't care if it's Stuntsman finally actually catching a PBU instead of just hitting the PBU. And by the way, that goes for Bowman too. Both of those guys should have multiple picks on the year already. Somebody needs to go make the play and go take it to the house. I think that's still a little bit of the shell shock from the last regime that these guys don't feel comfortable doing that because every single day, you know, how many turnovers have we seen this year in college football? You know, how many, I'm not going to say the other team that drives us crazy, but like how how many have certain teams gotten, you know, certain teams have three or four or five defensive scores already. And we, I don't think we have any, so that, that, that's going to be paramount tackle. Well, come out the gates early. Let's get a stop on defense and a score on offense. Last week I said how important that was. And then the exact opposite happened. We need to get the first score, especially on the road. And we need to stop them and let them know it's not going to be an easy game. Both of those things didn't happen against K-State, and those are huge symptoms to us losing. In the end, Barry, in the end, we don't come out fast. I don't think we get a ton of turnovers. I just haven't seen it enough. But Dylan makes enough throws. The receivers slip away and make some plays. I think Gray continues to be the alpha, and I think Majors, I think Majors probably, last week was the last week he doesn't score. The season. It's the first time he didn't score in a season over the season. Mm. I believe we score the ball five times. We get thirty. We get thirty. We get thirty-one points on the road in our whites. TCU scores the ball four times. They get twenty-seven points. Thirty-one, twenty-seven. Oklahoma Sooners. And I do want to leave a caveat. If for some reason. There are some glaring issues. This is this is just the truth. We're in trouble. So there needs to be a little level of urgency. Like let's let's just let's you know I don't want this to just be rainbows and daffodils and and my little pony. Let's tell the truth. Our guys need this win. You said it. It's OU versus OU. And I don't think we play well enough to be like, "Ooh, that game was just you know." Uh, 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 an anomaly, the K-State game. I don't think our guys play that well this Saturday. I hope they do. They have the talent to, but I do think they play well enough to go into the Red River shootout with confidence, knowing if they stay locked in with Coach, they will win. 31-27 on the road. We're up a possession, and it gets kind of tight, and we have to see Dylan make a throw when it matters. And this time he hits Stoops, or he hits Farouk. Or he hits Braden, or maybe it's Mims over the top. Love it, man. I, I, similar sentiments. I, I actually think this game can go one of two ways. I either think it's going to be the story you tell, or this team has the potential. If they start fast, I think you can get a Nebraska situation. I don't think it's likely. I think if we're going to put percentages on it. There's probably a coming off of last week. I think it's about a 5% chance that that actually happens, but I do think the potential is there, especially if they can get the ground game going early. If the offensive line doesn't take time to uh, kind of get into a rhythm, I, I think you can see, um, see this offense humming in the first quarter. That being said, the reality of it, what we've seen, you know, you, who you are is what you are on film. And so far, when the competition has leveled up, they've had issues. Kent State offensively gave them some trouble. 
right? Um, Kent State's offense, um, even their defense to an extent early in that game. You know, OU only had the OU had no points for a long time. So what uh, what does that mean? Grand scheme of things, you couple in the K-State game. I do think just the matchup and historically how OU in recent years has dealt with TCU probably plays a little bit into it. Um, knowing that Mims has had some fantastic games down there in Fort Worth. He's played really well. Um, the Rattler actually had a pretty decent game uh, back uh, throwing to Mims. And back in 20, might have been 21, I can't remember. Anyways, or no, 20, it would have been 20. Uh, Mims played really well. So I, I think there's some confidence that they have going into this. I just think the 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 floor for the offense and for the defense is still pretty low. I, I, I don't know if it's where it quite needs to be yet, whether that's personnel, scheme, just reps with, with Coach Venables as coach, right, and Lebby as the OC. Don't know yet. Um, but I do think OU gets the win. I'm going to go 34-24, um, kind of in the same vein. I think TCU moves the ball well. OU has played well in the red zone defensively. Uh, they did not showcase that very much against Kansas State, but throughout the season, they, they've seemed to have stiffened up. I do not think, as well as Duggan has played, I don't know if TCU will be the same test just because they're going to try to finesse you a little bit more, whereas K-State was hit you in the mouth, punch you in the face, and then if, if you want to compete, you got to punch back. So I, I think <laughs> I think OU, OU gets the win, uh, but I, I do think they, they ended up winning by double digits, but I think it's going to be it's going to be tight for a little bit. Maybe TCU gets a late score. Who knows? Uh, but I think OU has to start fast. If they start fast, you know, who knows? You know, maybe they get some confidence, get things rolling. The defense is playing aggressive. They're getting sacks. I do. One of the things I'm pretty confident in is tackles for loss. I think are, are going to be back to where Sooner fans have been accustomed to this season. I think they're, they're going to have those. Yeah, I think they're going to have those those chances, but but we will see. Um, it's a lot of ifs, Barry. If I had I ten million bucks, if I had ten million bucks, I wouldn't need to run an insurance agency. If I was six inches taller, I would have played ten years in the NFL and wouldn't have been on punt team. You know, if I was born in the seventeen hundreds, I would have wore a wig. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Oh man. Oh man. So, um, the, want everybody to know, um, coming up, we're going to do some big stuff for OU, uh, OU Texas week. We're going to have some people on the podcast. It's going to be very exciting. Some people who are, uh, on the other side, uh, on the other side of the enemy lines. So it'll be interesting. Uh, hey, pause, pause, pause. Go you for it. Any UT assholes on this podcast just make sure they know how i'm coming just just say hey man look my business partner my brother his name is dmac he ain't having it so i'm just letting you know to just preface any of those weirdos if they get on this pod i'm gonna call it how i see it and they probably not. We, we're gonna probably make a friend of me. I'm just letting you know, bro. It's gonna Let's probably it. be a friend of me because I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that just yet. I gotta, I gotta process that. 
<laughs> yeah, we won't announce who it is just yet, but he will uh, be an interesting guest for the for the pod. I am uh, hoping we get some uh, get some viral moments out of the deal because I, I think we might. He is uh, he is down <laughs> for the down for the talking mess. So and and I like it, man. He's he's a uh, well known in the Texas football uh, kind of podcast YouTube world. So. Some of you guys will know who he is, but uh, he'll be on next week. Um, make sure, though, you tune in. We're dropping content essentially every other day right now. You know, Make sure you're subscribed uh, to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon. We are literally everywhere you can get podcasts. Go follow the, uh, the Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. Also, the Instagram at the Barry and Mac Show. Damien's is at Dame That Dude. Mine is at B-Wise Fitness, letter B, W-I-S-E Fitness. And uh, D-Mac, what is your Twitter again? So the people can start following you, man. <laughs> I got 20 followers, baby. I was, I was like, man, hey. is, by the way, you know what that means? I got to start posting. Like, damn, I got to post stuff. That's right. <laughs> just, uh, you so can I, just start retweeting. Just retweet. As I, a, you see, I retweeted your joint. You saw that, right? I retweeted yeah. something you posted, you know. But uh, my, I think people are like, Mackie, I can't find you. Like, I've had like three people be like, ah, you're impossible to find. So it might be, I think it's D dot M-A-C-K 13. I thought that's what it was. That's what I put in there. I, you know, I'm not a, not a Twitter expert. I know that makes me yeah. sound bad. But D dot Max 13, it could be the Mackies 2, right? People are saying, no, it's at the Mackies 2. So I don't know which one is my nickname and which one's my Twitter thing. I don't know. Somebody help me out there. But I do have 20 followers now, which is pretty sweet because I used to have one like two weeks ago. So 19 people have followed me. I appreciate yeah. you guys. I'm going to start creating some stuff. Um, hey, on the way out, man, the show is going to continue. I barely didn't tell you guys, but man, we cracked the top 100 and all, all Apple iPod or all Apple podcasts, which is super, super dope. Thank you guys for that. 57,000 downloads, which is ridiculous. Super grateful for that. I think we're the number 72 football podcast in America, all levels. Pretty ridiculous about that. And all we are two dudes, you know, talking football. With uh, the Sooner Nation, man, having a good time, and and here's here's what I'm just I'm just here to tell you. Like I said, I I I don't know about other folk, but I want to be number one. So we're gonna keep this thing up. We've got we we've got a great calendar we're building out to make sure the content keeps rolling. And the thing is, it's a passion product. When 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 Barry says, "Hey Mac, let's jump on," we literally jump on. We can do content every other day if you guys like it that way. Just because it's not work for me, it's literally a break from what I do on a daily Amen. basis. Super grateful for you guys. Continue to subscribe and download. I'm starting to get a hit up by the high schoolers, man. They're like, yo, I want to be on the puns. Kind of weird. I'm like, I don't know if I can have, you know, so we're going to kind of play around and see what, what's going to be coming down the road. <laughs> but uh, expect me to be a little different after this week. I just have it ingrained in me. OU Texas week. The kids could sense it when I was a principal. The kids could sense it when I was a teacher. And, you know, in my insurance agency, my agents are like, yo, Mackie's a little different this week. This will be the first time I take my wife to the game. We've gone to Texas a bunch, but this will be the first time I actually let her go to the stadium. We usually go to this hey. phenomenal alumni party. The, the alumni party is, 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 is amazing, by the way. You don't even have to go to the game. There's 10,000 people. It's half OU. It's half Texas. It's an alumni party, and it's great food, great music. The games are on, like, like 100-inch screen TVs. It's super dope, but I'm going to take my wife. She's never gone during the actual game, so I'm going to get an opportunity to, to, to experience that. 
Um, but I'm looking forward to meeting up with the Sooner Nation face to face. If there's anybody who is interested, I think Kansas is the next game I'm going to be. We got to both get tickets for that. And I think yeah, we got to do something live do that, that day. You know, I think it's a night game. And by the way, it's a huge recruiting weekend, by the way. That's a huge recruiting weekend for yep. us. I think that's our big one for the season. Let's let's do, you know, um, there's a bar in Norman I was at for the K-State game. They're like, yo, I'll let you guys set up and do something live pregame Ooh. at Nopton. This bar called yeah. Nopton right there on Campus Corner. So we'll, we'll, we'll start connecting dots on that, brother, and seeing yeah. if something comes together. And then maybe we'll have a little section where we can have some of the, the Barry and Mac folk who who – appreciate this content we all get together break bread take pictures things like that so let's do it man always a pleasure bro appreciate you Love man you, you you you're great to work with man you're awesome business partner i appreciate it i appreciate it man well thank you guys so much for tuning in uh we will uh be back with a post game pod dmax 10 thoughts i got something that i'm cooking up right now for myself that uh we'll, we'll also bring to you guys so we are not going to be short on content and some big announcements coming soon. Uh, but we're going to get out of here and we will see uh, you guys next time.